night at night at night at night at this daycare and she comes home at night and puts her feet up and she ain't in the mood to cook. So I've been cooking, praise God, glory, hallelujah. Can you believe we're still alive? Dare to Care got too many bananas this week. And you know that bananas don't last very long. You got to either eat them or pitch them, one or the other. And we brought a couple because we were just going to have to pitch them. I brought them home. I was eating those bananas just hand after, you know, test. Just banana, banana, banana. And I, got to, I, I looked at her and I said, we need to make some banana bread. And I thought to myself, she'll pin me a Pinterest recipe that will allow me to make it. And before you know, some of you don't even, some of you think I'm, I just spoke in tongues. I was talking about Pinterest and all that kind of stuff. She comes in and she said, will you dig out the pan? She said, if you'll get up there underneath there and get them out. She got in there and she started fixing that banana bread. And, I, and, and I, she just warned me out of her way. And I said, praise God, glory, hallelujah. And I went and sat down on the chair, and I could smell that banana bread. She told me, she said, when the timer goes in there, she said, you go in, take a toothpick, stick it down in there. If it's still gooey, you know, cut, bake it a little bit more. But if it comes out and it's good, it's ready to eat. And I'm sitting in there praying in the Spirit. Oh, God, let it be ready in an hour. Let it be ready in an hour. And Peter decided, I'm hungry and while you're fixing my food, I'm going to go up and I'm going to pray on the flat roof. And while he goes up there, the scripture says that he falls into a spiritual trance and God begins to speak to him through a vision. Sounds like a contented man. I mean, he's got a nice place to live. He's got people waiting on him. He's got people coming back and by and saying, we're preparing your food. It will be ready in, in just a few moments. But in the meantime, why don't you just go on upstairs and relax and do whatever you wanted to do. And so he went and spent some time in the spirit with the Lord. He was content. But God was not content to leave them in a place of contentment. Now I know you wanted to hear that today, didn't you? Because you fought so hard in the spirit to get where you are so you can have this contentment. It feels so good to get up in the morning and just be able to take a deep, deep sigh and just breathe in and breathe it out and say, oh God, even though I may not have everything that I want, I'm so blessed and I'm so content and I'm so grateful, God, for your will for my life. And then all of a sudden, God says, I'm not going to leave you here because this is not about you. This is about my eternal purposes that I'm working and there's a transition that is taking place in the spirit realm and I need your help in seeing that this transition take place, takes place so he comes to Cornelius and while Cornelius is praying the angel of the Lord comes and he says I'm here today from the Lord and I want you to know that your prayers and your alms have gone up as an influence to God. Isn't it interesting that God knows everything you're praying but he also knows everything that you're giving. He knows what you're saying but he also knows what you're sowing. 
And he determines whether or not he can bless you and anoint you based on what you're saying and based on what you're sowing into the kingdom of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Why won't God bless me like God blesses so and so? And why can't I have the anointing on my life that this person has on those? You, you, you need to ask yourself that because God is aware of what you're saying and he's aware of what you're sowing and he knows who he can count on. And he comes, he comes to Cornelius and he says, I need for you to do something. I need for you to do it now. He said, there's a man named Peter. And I want you to send for him. And I want you to go have him come and speak to you about something that you need to know. And I like the fact that, that Cornelius didn't wait a minute. He just decided, man, if this is what God wants, I'm going to initiate the process to get where God needs me to be. You see, God messed up Cornelius' contentment and he messed up Peter's contentment because now we go to Peter and he's just having a big time, but the scripture says that the Lord spoke to him when he was in a trance and showed him this vision and he said, no longer are you going to look at other people and see them as common. And Peter said, it'll never happen, Lord. He said, I'm never going to eat anything, take anything into my life that is uncommon or unpure. And the Lord said, from this day forward, don't you use that terminology. From this day forward, don't you dare call something uncommon that I have called clean. You're going to have to change the way you're looking at this situation and you're going to have to stop seeing it the way the world sees it and start seeing it the way that I see it. If you're going to allow my work to be done through you, you've got to start seeing and looking as I'm seeing and I am looking. And so here are these perfectly good, content people. And God just steps into their world and messes them up. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place like that in my life. I've told you the story about how that several years ago, I was pastoring a church and I was just as happy as a lark. I was so content. I was at peace. We had just built a nice patio on the back of the parsonage. We had brand new patio furniture. And I could sit out there and drink my coffee and put my feet up. And it was so nice. And it was so great. And I was so content. And one day my phone rang and it was the state overseer of Illinois. And he said, I need for you to go take this church. And I laughed at him. I said to him, you are out of your mind. I say that respectfully. But you are crazy. I am not going anywhere. I'm going to sit right here on this porch that we built and I'm going to enjoy this beautiful life that you have provided, that God has provided for me. I was content. And I just passed it off. He called me a second time. I told him the same thing a second time. He called me a third time. I was a little bit offended that he had not heard me clearly the first two times when I said, I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. 
And he said, I'm telling you, the Lord woke me up and told me in the, in the spirit that you're supposed to go there. And then to make matters worse, my, walk, my wife walked in after the second time. And she said, was that the overseer again? I said, yes, ma'am, it was. And she said, you might as well get ready. You're going to have to go because the Lord has spoken to me. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, my decisions were being driven by my contentment. And God did not want me to stay content. He had a job for me to do that would take me to a place where I didn't want to be, but a place that would open a door for me that would have never opened any other way because I was willing to step out of my comfort zone and out of my contentment so that God could use me to bring glory to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you today, some of you, God is getting ready to push you out of the nest. Some of you, God is getting ready to make a visit to you in your prayer time and say, I cannot keep you and allow you to stay in this contentment. You're going to have to come out of it and follow me and move me in the place that I have for you because I have an overarching plan that is working in the realm of the spirit that I need you to be a part of and you cannot do it in the way that you're currently living. Come out of your contentment and let me use you. And that's what he said to Cornelius and that's what he said to Peter. Now here they are and they have a decision to make. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. I just don't know if I will. You know, you've been in a place where you have a decision and you know what is right. You know from scripture that God clearly says this but that probably isn't for me that's probably for someone much more mature than I am that's probably for someone who's older than I am that's probably for someone who has already walked a few more miles than I have that's probably not for me but all the while the Holy Spirit in you is saying rise up rise up rise up rise up I'm not going to send you by yourself. I'm not going to send you alone. I will go with you and I will be there for you and I will empower you and I will anoint you and don't worry about what you'll say because I'll tell you what to say when you get there. I want you to go into a land that I'm going to give you but I'm not going to tell you about it right now. I just want you to just go by faith and know that I am leading you and guiding you and directing you. Both of these guys were doing something that they were not supposed to do. Cornelius was calling upon a Jewish man to come and speak to him in a way that could change and transition his lifestyle. And Peter was being asked to go do something that the Christian church was going to frown on, but God didn't care about any of that because God saw the end result and God saw the transition that needed to take place. So they were faced with the decision. And what was the decision? How did they respond? Well, the scripture tells us that as soon as Cornelius heard the word that came from the angel, 
he immediately called his servants to him and he said, this is what happened and I need you to go now. Don't delay. Don't wait. Go now. God has set a process in place that is going to transform our lives and change us and we've got to get this process moving. Go, 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 go now. So unlike so many of us, my Lord, I see what you're saying there. I make good, good sense, but Lord, I'm just not positioned so that I can do that right now. Maybe one of these days. I can't. I, I see it, but I can't. Why can't you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm too timid. I, I, I just can't. Go. I'll help you. Well, I know you say that. But how do I know that? I mean, I'll tell you what, Lord. If you'll send me an answer first, then I'll obey you next. I sent you an angel. Did you see the angel? Did you hear what he said? He, I sent him. Trust me. You see, we have to get to a place where we say, God, this is not about me. Whatever you say, I'll do. Wherever you send me, I'll go. However you want me to speak, I'll speak. God, I am content. I could live right like this for the rest of my life, and I have found a way to be happy with it. But God, if I know that you have a higher place for me, if, you, if I know that you've got a calling for me, if I know that you're going to bring transformation through me, then God, I am willing to set my contentment aside in order to let your glory be seen through me. And the only way that that can happen is to be obedient. And then Peter He's up there praying. He's having this vision. And the Lord says, I don't want you to consider the Gentiles unclean or uncommon anymore. And Peter wrestles with the Lord. Lord, I know. I know what you said. I know that you came to the Jews first. I know that the Gentiles aren't supposed to be circumcised. I know that they're not supposed to walk beside us. I know that we're not supposed to interact with them. I know all these things. I'm a good little religious boy. And the Lord said to him very clearly, don't you dare label anything that I have called clean. Don't you dare refer to it as common again because they're my people and they need to hear the message that I'm sending you to send, to, to preach. And here is Peter in his moment of contentment and he's having to shake contentment off of him. He's having him to, to walk into an area that he's uncomfortable with. He's having to walk into a place where he knows 
that the religious elite, they're going to they're gonna jump down his back. They're going to tell him and they're going to say to him, Peter, what are you doing? You're taking a message that was meant for the Jews uh, to the Gentiles and we're not even supposed to talk to them and interact with them. But all Peter could say was, what the Lord has asked me to do, I must be faithful to. And he gets up the next day. When? The next day. When? The next day. He didn't say, I better call the prayer team and start praying. I better call the overseer. I better call somebody else. I better call my prayer partner. I better pray. No, I heard from the Lord. I don't have to ask anybody else. I don't have to run it through some filter. I know that I know that I know that God has spoken to me and that's all I need to know. And just like that, shaken out of contentment into a world of obedience. And let me tell you something. Because Cornelius and Peter were willing to do what they did on that day. You and I have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Because you are a Gentile. Just like Cornelius. I'm not Jewish. I wasn't born into the Jewish family. I'm Gentile. From head to toe, Gentile. But my spirit has been bought by Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that today? Come out of your contentment. Go the direction that the Lord is leading you. And do it in a timely, obedient spirit and it will produce peace in your life. John, go ahead and play that video if you will this morning.
simple scarlet rope, just one cord. In Joshua chapter 2, there's a lady by the name of Rahab, a prostitute, ran a house of prostitution. 
that God laid his hands upon her and he sought her out. Joshua and the men had been told by God that they were going to take every inch of the enemy territory. And he told the spies to go into the land and he said, especially, especially, I want you to look at Jericho. You'll see a lot of things and everywhere your foot goes, I'm going to give it to you. But I want you especially to go to Jericho. And they get into Jericho and they go to Rahab's house of prostitution. Unclean, common, but God had his hand upon her life. And he had big plans for her that far exceeded anything that she could even think or imagine. Who would have thought that the God of glory would look down inside a wall at Jericho and find a prostitute named Rahab? say I'm going to use your DNA to produce the Messiah and Rahab's just going about life when all of a sudden these two guys show up one day and they come in and when she found out who they were she said, we've heard about you. And she said, from the very moment that we heard about you, fear came over our hearts, not only my heart, but the entire community. Because we heard how God is using you. We heard how you defeated this king and that king and this nation and that nation we heard and fear overcame us the instant the instant that we heard and we knew that you were coming the king knew and when the king's men came in they said deliver unto us these spies that have come. And Rahab said, I don't know what you're talking about. It's true that there were some men who came by earlier, but they left. And if you'll hurry, you can catch them because they have left the city and you can overtake them. And the scripture says that as soon as the king's men walked outside the gate, not a day later, not two days later, as soon as they walked outside of the gate, the gates closed on them. 
and would not allow them entrance back into the city. Where were the spies? Rahab had hidden them on the top of her roof. She knew they were there all along. He said, well, she was lying. Aren't you glad that God loves liars? Aren't you glad that when all we can see is the outward appearance, God can look inside someone's heart and say, I can use you. And when the men, the spies came downstairs, she said, she said, I need something from you. I need protection from you because I know you're coming. And I, you know, I know you're going to destroy. You're going to destroy this very place that we live. She lived inside the wall. And we know that the first thing that fell at Jericho was the wall that she lived in. It came tumbling down. But she said, I need something from you. I need your word. She said, I need a sure word from you that you will protect us and that you will keep us from harm. And the spies, they said, take this little scarlet rope. And when we leave, you need to know that if you'll throw this outside of your window... That when we come to destroy this city, we're going to see, we're going to see it. We're going to look at that cord. And when we see that cord, we're going to keep our word and we're going to protect you and everyone who is in your household. But if they're outside of your household, if they've already climbed down to the wall, down the wall, down to the ground, then they will not be protected and we will be clear of our oath. And the men left. And the scripture says that when they left, she just threw the scarlet cord over to the side and forgot about it. She just threw it in the trash can and said, another thing that I don't need to collect. Somebody else let me down. They could have saved me right now. Is that what she did? No, you go read it today. As soon as they left, she said, I better get this thing hanging out the window right now because I know that they're coming back. And when they come back, that is what's going to be the salvation of my life and the salvation of my household. Listen now, the scarlet cord represented the red blood of Jesus Christ that would come in the New Testament. Everything about the Old Testament happened historically, but it was done in types and shadows. It meant to point forward to something that would come. And when she hung that scarlet cord outside of her window, it was protection for her in those days, but it was a prophetic word that said, there is coming a scarlet red blood that's going to be provided and it's not going to just be for those in Jericho and in this room and it's not going to be just for the, the Jewish people but it's going to be for whosoever will. The scarlet cord. 
It represented two things to her. She didn't know all the prophecies. She didn't understand all the prophetic wording that would come. She didn't know about Jesus and Him coming somewhere. She didn't know. She knew one thing in practical terms. She knew two things. She knew, number one, that I am required to be obedient and display the scarlet cord. I'm required to be obedient. I'm required to put obedience on my faith. And she didn't wait a day longer than she needed to before she put that scarlet cord out the window. But the second thing it reminded her of is that when I look at that cord, I'm reminded that I am in covenant. I have a covenant. They promised. They promised that anyone who was in the household of the scarlet cord would be saved and not killed. I'm in covenant with them. I am in covenant with their God. I am in covenant. I'm in covenant, in covenant, in covenant. And the world comes at you and tries to tell you that there's no hope for you and there's no hope for your household. You just hold up the scarlet cord, baby, and say, listen, I know that the covenant of God is yes and amen. I'm in covenant. I'm in covenant. You say, why did you give me this whole red thing it wasn't so that you could feel sorry for U of L I gave you this because I felt the Holy Spirit say to me put something in their hands that will remind them that they are in covenant with me because when they get outside of the four walls of this sanctuary and when the worship has died down and when the, when the preacher has stopped preaching and when the prayer warriors have stopped praying the enemy's going to step up his game and he's going to come against them and say to them those promises are not for you those promises won't work for you They might work for the praise team. They might work for the pastor. They might work for somebody else, but they won't work for you. I want you to grab this little scarlet cord and shake it in his face and say, I want you to know by the authority vested in me by the blood of Jesus Christ and through his name that I am in covenant with him. Don't wait. You might want to put this thing on your rear view mirror. That's where many of you spend most of your time sinning, fussing at other people who are cutting you off in traffic so that you can look at it and say, I'm in covenant with God. I'd like to have words with that person, but I'm in covenant with God. When you've spent more money than you had in your bank account, you just remember, 
if you paid your tithe and if you gave to the kingdom of God then he shall pour out of the windows of heaven heaven blessings that you will not be able to contain that if you give it shall be given unto you pressed things shaken shaken together running over shall men come and give into your bosom I'm in covenant with God can't hardly get up out of the bed because Arthur's been visiting you today and you can't hardly walk across the room and your mind is saying you're going to spend the rest of your days in bondage to arthritis. You grab your little cord and you say listen to me right now you devil. I am in covenant with the one who took stripes upon his back so that I can walk in hell. I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. I'm just giving this to you so that when you look at it, peace will come. Rahab put the cord in the window. What'd she do? Oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But I'm just at a place of desperation. I don't have any other hope. I don't know, God. I'm doing it. It feels so stupid to me to do the things that you tell me to do. It just feels so stupid to praise you when I don't feel like praising you. It feels so stupid to give when I don't have a penny to give. It just feels so stupid to be happy when I have no joy. It feels stupid to believe that my children are going to overcome their addiction when every day I watch them go deeper and deeper. It's so silly to believe the things that you've told me. It just seems impossible, God. But when you look at that scarlet cord, you say, my God is the God of the impossible. It may look impossible in the flesh, but I know that in the Spirit, all things are possible to those who will believe. Amen. I'm in covenant. I'm in covenant. I'm in covenant. Will you stand with me this morning?